Good morning, everybody. Great to see you. High winds, huh? And uh, the hairstyle thinks, actually, somebody came up to me and said, is that a wig? I'm thinking, honey, if you were going to buy a wig, would you buy this? You know, it's, uh, it wouldn't be the way to go, really. You know, I just want to do something. I have just noticed that Rich and Becky Dixon are here 1,500 miles on a hand cycle in aid of Convoy of Hope, a magnificent, magnificent job. And uh, if you're a guest with us and you don't know what all this is about, or if you're part of the Timberline family and you want to know more, look at, just put Rich's Ride in Google, and there are some wonderful stories there. Uh, true life stories about things that have been happening. But we're just proud of you guys and, and uh, just want to honor you today. Well, uh, we're continuing our series in Ecclesiastes. And this weekend, we're looking at Ecclesiastes chapter 8, talking about creating uh, lifelong friendships. I've realized just this week um, that sometimes the obvious things in life are not that obvious. How many of you know that, knowing me, that that would be true? For example, I learned this week that if you stop your car and you plan to get out for a moment and leave the engine running, it's a good idea to check that you haven't left it in reverse. I haven't got time to go there, just trust me. Sometimes the obvious things are not that obvious. And you would think, wouldn't you, friendship, it, yeah, yeah, sure, got that, that's, that's obvious. I mean, we're, 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 we're kind of obsessed with the idea of friendship. Facebook, now you can let the world know that you just had a pizza. How exciting is that? But actually, the truth is that sometimes the obvious things we, we, we don't get. We don't get how to build friendship. And as we look at these verses together, at first glance, it, it, it looks like this is just about how to approach the king. That's what the heading is here. The, the writer is Solomon, and by the way, he's a king. So he's effectively saying, if you want to hang out with me, this is the basis upon which this is going to work. But as we look at these words, buried in this text are some nuggets that can help us in our friendships, in our relationships, in our marriages, in the workplace, employer, employee, uh, but particularly in friendship. Lee Iacocca, uh, formerly of the Chrysler Corporation, said, when you die, if you've got five real friends, then you've had a great life. And so, what can we learn from Solomon as we think about building lifelong friendships? Let's jump in here. Let's look at the text. Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Who is like the wise? Who knows the explanation of things? A person's wisdom brightens their face and changes its hard appearance. Obey the king's command, I say, because you took an oath before God. Do not be in a hurry to leave the king's presence. Do not stand up for a bad cause, for he will do whatever he pleases. Since, since a king's word is supreme, who can say to him, what are you doing? Whoever obeys his command will come to no harm. And the wise heart will know the proper time and procedure. For there is a proper time and procedure for every matter, though a person may be weighed down by misery. Since no one knows the future, who can tell someone else what is to come? As no one has power over the wind to contain it, so no one has power over the time of their death. As no one is discharged in time of war, so wickedness will not release those who practice it. 
And then look at verse 15. So I commend the enjoyment of life because there is nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of the life God has given them under the sun. Uh, actually, I, I, I got this hat earlier. I'm, I, I'm pretty excited about it. I don't know what you think. Well, it, and uh, I, was, I was so excited. I just messed up my hair again. I was, I was so excited about uh, getting this hat that last time that I was with the Queen, we, we hang out a lot. We're very close. I decided to wear my hat to see what she thought about it. And I, I think it's pretty clear that... Uh, she really liked it. She said, you look really cool, Jeff. Well done. And uh, Prince Philip tried to steal my hat. So you're impressed, aren't you? I can, I, I can tell. Yeah. Isn't it amazing what you can do with computers these days? Yeah, that's, that, that's not real. But I did put it on Facebook, and it's created quite a stir. That's not real. What is real is the truth. <laughs> that we need real friendships and relationships. Isn't it true that we live our lives being processed? Have a nice day, you're told, but you kind of know it's in the script. And therefore, it takes away from the impact. Uh, I, I think I told you recently, I, I called up a, a, a customer service line because we we're having problems with our, our cell phones. And, uh, and uh, you know, that when you do that, they ask you the security questions, don't they? Uh, what's your, what's your uh, mother's maiden name? What's your pet's hobby? You know, that kind of stuff. And my, my wife, Kay, was the security... Well, her name's on the account. And so this customer service person said, is your wife there with you, Mr. Lucas? And I said, she is. And the lady said, and you are your wife's husband, are you? Yeah, yeah, that's why they call her my wife. And we can feel, can't we, like as we navigate our way through life, that instead of relating that we are being processed, we are being taken through a tunnel of customer care, and that everything is somehow scripted, and, and there can be an absence of real friendship, and that's a problem. What is life if we have not life Together, said G.K. Chesterton, pointing out the futility of a lonely life. But isn't it true that our relationships are fragile and they are at the mercy of us because we can mess them up? Verse 9 uh, of this text, a very key verse. Look at this. There is a time when a man lords it over others to his own hurt. In other words... Solomon is saying, if you mess up in relationships, ultimately the one who is going to suffer is you. It will hurt you. And that's tragic because our marriages, our, our friendships, our relationships are so vital. Donald McCullough says, when we consider the blessings of God, the gifts that add beauty and joy to our lives, that enable us to keep going through stretches of boredom and even suffering, friendship is very near the top. And I don't know about you, but when I was in high school, they did, we didn't have a class on how to do friendship. It, it's just assumed that, that, well, that's obvious, isn't it? So what can we learn from Solomon as uh, we unpack this text? 
And if you're following in the bulletin, let's, let's look at this together. A true friend, a true friend is, first of all, thoughtful. A true friend is thoughtful. Wisdom is not just about reflection, but relationships. Wisdom is not just about reflection, but relationships. Verse 1, who is like the wise? Who knows the explanation of things? Now, in Ecclesiastes, Solomon talks about wisdom a lot. But there is a danger that we can think about wisdom in terms of cogitating information, reflecting on abstract principles, and not realize that we need to bring thoughtfulness and wisdom into our relationships. In other words, be thoughtful and reflective and, and not just reactive. What does that mean? I, I, let me suggest a few things. If, if you're a thoughtful friend, that means that you'll listen. That you won't just use conversation when the other person is talking, that we won't just use that as an opportunity to draw another breath until we carry on with our bit. Lewis Smead says, listening is the silent shape of caring. We listen to what the other person says to us, but we listen most closely when no words are spoken. We listen for the unuttered message of feeling. We listen for pain expressed in disguised sighs. We listen for desires heard only in the language of the eyes. I mean, you know, as a guy, as a man, I, I want to say to fellow men here, do we listen? Or, or, or do we just jump in to try and fix stuff? Do we actually listen to what is being said? Uh, maybe thoughtful friendship means listening. Maybe it means praying for that spouse, for that friend. If you study the language of Paul, the apostle, you will see that not only did he pray for those that he loved, but he thought about them a lot as well and then fed that thoughtfulness into his praying. If you want a little project for this week, read First and Second Timothy, and you'll see in the language there that it's obvious that Paul has thought a lot about young Timothy, about his weaknesses, about his strengths. And so he's able to pray, not just God bless Timothy, but out of that reflectiveness, that wisdom, he prays intelligently. You know, another good takeaway might be to Sit down for five minutes this week and think about your spouse if you're married. Think about a friend. Just think about them for a few minutes. What are they going through right now? What could I not only pray for but maybe do? How could I help in our small groups this week? We're thinking about the power of friendship when life is not fair. We're thinking about how we can celebrate together when life is, is, is good. Why don't we do that? Why don't we practice that, thinking about that person and then praying for them and maybe finding ways to surprise them with kindness? Margaret Mead says, a small group of thoughtful people could change the world. And then she added, indeed, it's the only thing that has ever changed the world. Thoughtfulness. Forgive me, Rich, but you didn't just get on a handbike. You didn't just say, I think this sounds like a good idea. I'll just, just trek across the country and, uh, and endure the weather and, and wear myself out. Uh, no, that came out of a lot of reflection and thought and planning. We need to do that, do that with our friendships. Secondly, 
If we want to have friends, maybe this is obvious, but we need to be pleasant. <laughs> we need to be pleasant. Those who want friends should be friendly. Be pleasant. Those who want friends should be friendly. Verse 1, a person's wisdom brightens their face and changes its hard appearance. Verse 15, so I commend the enjoyment of life. There's nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of the life God has given them under the sun. I've got a bit of a problem with my face. Some of you are looking at me saying, we've got a bit of a problem with your face. I, when, I, when I'm serious, when I'm, which I am a lot of the time, I kind of can look a bit intense, very slightly scary. And I'm a, a, aware of that, and I don't smile that easily because I've got this crooked smile. It goes up one side, which is why whenever I appear in magazines as a model, they always airbrush. <laughs> that was a joke. Solomon is saying, you know what Solomon's saying? He's saying, lighten up. Have a sunny countenance. Because I know Christians, and they say, I haven't got any friends. The enemy's attacking me. No, he's not. You're doing that by yourself, honey. <laughs> or they'll say, I'm being attacked in the workplace because of Jesus. No, no, no. It's not Jesus they don't like. It's you. I've met Christians who think they're really deep Christians, but they're just rude, irritating. I don't want to sit next to them in eternity. <laughs> I won't get past dessert in the marriage supper of the Lamb. I'm going to move. I met a guy, I get, I, we, because I have to go back to London a lot, um, one of the reasons I have to go back to London, I do a Sunday evening radio program that goes out across Europe and it's recorded and, it, and, and I have to go to London for that. And I've been involved in a conference called Spring Harvest for about 30 years. I don't do it anymore. I've moved on and let some other people uh, lead that now. But about 60,000 people come together every year for this conference called Spring Harvest. And so because of that, and going back to England a lot, uh, Kay and I have a little apartment just outside Amberley in Sussex in, in uh, southern England. And I was on the London train one morning going in to record some radio stuff, and the ticket machine was broken, so I was terrified because I was on the train without a ticket. And I'm thinking, life imprisonment, I, you know, I will never see light again. And I'm just sitting there hoping, you know, and if that happens, it's really okay, but, you know, I, I'm giftedly agitated, so... I'm just sitting there waiting for the ticket collector to show up. And he, he shows up, and he's not, he's not having a happy day. He's not having a happy decade, this guy. He's barking at people, tickets, tickets. And I'm thinking, oh, my. And he walked up to me, and as he walked up to me, ticket, I noticed that he had a dove badge in his lapel, a dove, and a fish badge. Now, for those of you unaware of this, these are Christian symbols. And I thought this man is either a member of the International Fish Fries Association <laughs> or he is a Christian. So while he's printing my ticket, he's kind of grumpy. I said, excuse me, I said, I noticed your, I noticed your badges. I said, are you, uh, are, you, are you a Christian? He said, yes. <laughs> hmm. I don't know what I was expecting, kumbaya, group hug, you know, but so... I said, oh, I said, that's nice. Now, he doesn't know that I'm a Christian. There's nothing, I've not, I haven't got any badges. It's, it's winter, I'm not even wearing my sandals, so there is nothing. 
to indicate that I am a Christian. So I said, do you go to a church round here? He said, yes. I said, oh, how's it going? He said, not good. Not good. I said, oh, why isn't it going well? He said, well, he said, it's like this. I am more advanced as a Christian than everybody else in my church. They just can't keep up with me. And I thought, wow. So I thought, I'll act a bit stupid, which is a gift that comes naturally. <laughs> so I said, I said, how do you get more advanced than it then? It sounds like karate, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm an advanced Christian. <laughs> he said, well, it's like this. He said, every year I go to a conference which has helped me to become more advanced as a Christian. It is called Spring Harvest. <laughs> so I said, wow. I said, I do a bit of stuff with Spring Harvest myself. He said, do you? I said, yes. It was catching, you know. He said, well, let me tell you something. If you do stuff with Spring Harvest, this station, Amberley Station, this station is Jeff Lucas's station. He has an apartment near here, you know. I said, really? I was so tempted, I wanted to say, don't you love that man, you know? But, uh. I said, well, that's me, pal. That's me. Jeff Lucas, it's on the credit card that you're holding. There's a hint, you know, that's me. He said, no, you're not. And I thought at first, he might be right. He's more advanced, isn't he? You know, he, he, he knows stuff. I didn't want to spend the rest of the journey with him. And I, I meet Christians and they say, I don't have any, I don't have any friends. And I, 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 we need to be friendly. We need to be people that people want to hang out with. I don't, I don't want you to be my friend because it's part of your sacrifice for Jesus to do so. Yeah, I can't stand him, but it's for the Lord. <laughs> Ralph Waldo Emerson said, the only way to have a friend is to be one. Are we friendly? Thirdly, thirdly, let's be sensitive. Let's be sensitive. Know the boundaries of your relationship. Be sensitive. Know the boundaries of your relationship. Verse 4, since a king's word is supreme, who can say to him, what are you doing? What's going on here? Solomon is saying, don't, don't go where you're not invited in relationship. Don't cross boundaries just assuming that you have the right. Uh, I love this verse. It's, it's about boundaries, really. Proverbs 25, 17. Listen to this. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house. Too much of you, and he will hate you. <laughs> Isn't that great? Have you ever been in that situation where you went to someone's house for, for dinner, and, and it's getting late, and they're kind of, they're doing this thing. They're, they're going, oh, my goodness. <sighs> It's been a long day. Yes. Yeah, what was it you were saying? They're holding their eyes open to stay awake. What they're actually saying is, would you get out of my house? Enough already. 
What's happening there is that we're crossing boundaries. Uh, whoever, verse 5, whoever obeys his command will come to no harm, and the wise heart will know the proper time and procedure, for there's a proper time and procedure for every matter. Did you know that timing is everything? It's everything in sports, it's everything in politics, it's everything in comedy, it's everything in cooking, it's everything in life. If you find the wrong time to say the, uh, the right thing, it's going to come out wrong. Timing is everything. I love this verse, Proverbs 27. <laughs> if anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, <laughs> it will be taken as a curse. <laughs> Don't you tell me that the Bible is not practical. What is that about? It's about timing. It's ma maybe it's about going over boundaries that have been set. Listen, folks, in the Christian life, we don't have any authority apart from the authority that people give to us. As a leader, I don't have any authority over you whatsoever. I only have the authority as, as part of the leadership team of this church. We only have authority that you give us. We're not part of a cult or a sect. We offer kingdom authority to each other to speak into each other's lives. And sometimes we mess up our relationship because we go places where we've not been invited to go. Well, the last thing, the concluding thing this morning is this. Let's be humble in our friendships. Let's be humble. Nobody wants to know a know-it-all. Let's be humble. Nobody wants to know a know-it-all. Look at verses 7 and 8. Since no one knows the future, who can tell someone else what is to come? As no one has power over the wind to contain it, so no one has power over the time of their death. Solomon is saying, there are limits on your wisdom. Get that. Are we arrogant in our relationships? Do we have an opinion about everything? Are we self-appointed experts? Are we never wrong? Do we assume a role of always speaking into the lives of others, but no one can speak into our life? I've got to tell you that as we were preparing to pray for our brothers and sisters in the persecuted church this weekend, and hearing that story from India, I was humbled and challenged by that. And I'll tell you why. I've got to be honest with you. I don't know how I would do under that circumstance. I'd like to think, I'd certainly like you to think, that I'd be faithful to Jesus, whatever the cost. But the truth is, I've been reflecting on this. I don't know. And actually, the Bible acknowledges my fragility because Jesus says, when you stand before people, don't worry about what you're going to have to say because grace will be given you for that moment. So we don't have to torment ourselves, but an awareness of our own potential fragility and uncertainty about ourselves will keep us humble. Not only that, there's only so much we can do in the lives of others. It's very interesting that when Solomon uses this word wind, he uses the word ruach, which actually is the most common word in Hebrew for spirit. It's like there's a play on words here. You can't speak to the wind, and you can't actually change another person's spirit. You might be able to if they're willing, you might be able to help them change their behavior, but fundamentally, no one is changed unless they want to change. We basically remain the same unless we're committed to journey. And Solomon is saying, be aware 
of the limitations that there are with your own wisdom. You don't know it all, so let's be humble in word and in attitude. I just need to say this before we close and pray. We're going to pray in a few moments about our relationships, and in a few moments, if you don't know Jesus as your friend, I want you to know that I'm going to give you the invitation to make that step. It might be as I talk about ruach, spirit, and wind. It might be that you're sitting there thinking, can I ever change? I love Matthew chapter 8. It speaks about Jesus, and it says, then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves. And it was completely calm. And the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. It might be that you, as we've had these incredibly high winds these last couple of days, you look into your own heart and soul and life, and you know that there's a tornado raging in there right now. And you're thinking, how do I even begin to sort this out? I really want you to know the Bible, more importantly, wants us to know that just as there is someone who can speak to the wind and it calms, so there is someone who can speak to your spirit, to the essential you, to me, and as we walk with him in friendship, Daily, our lives change and shift and grow as we're, being, as we're being transformed, as the old King James puts it, from one degree of glory to another. I have a sense today that some of us, even above the wind, have heard a yell, a shout that says, and it's never going to stop. And Scripture points us to the one can speak to that storm and bring authentic, real, lasting change. Let's pray together, shall we? Let's pray. Lord, as we, as we reflect on these ancient words today, we realize, Lord, that you have not called us to be alone, but you've called us to the challenge and beauty of relationships and that so often Lord what happens is that our relationships are fractured or damaged because of us because we are running around never really stopping to think Lord help us this week to maybe do that exercise to sit down and, and think about people that we love and then pray for them sometimes Lord it's because frankly we're, we're not being terribly pleasant we're not showing ourselves friendly so we don't have friends help us to be sensitive to know the boundaries of relationship And even, Lord, as we pray for those who are epic in their faith and who are laying down their lives because of Jesus, 
we are humbled about our own limitations and fragilities. I want us just to stay in this prayerful attitude. And, and I want to just include in prayer anyone today who would say, you know what, I've got a friendship right now that is under threat. I've got a situation in my workplace which is tense and I'm right in the middle of it. My marriage, you might say, is really hanging by a thread right now. And I want God's help in that relationship. I want him to help me to apply even maybe some of the things that we're learning together today. I'm going to ask you wherever you are, if that's the case, to identify that by just slipping up your hand for a moment, please. Would you do it right now? You're being very specific about a relationship, a marriage, a friendship. And you can put your hands down. We're going to pray in a moment. Before we do that, I wonder how many of us would like to say today, I need Jesus as my friend. I need to invite him to come into my life. I want him to speak to the storm. Please know that he has come not only to die, he came to show us how to live. He died in order that we might be able to freely come, dealing with our sins. And on the third day, he was raised to life. Now the invitation to the banquet has gone out. And he invites us to walk in friendship with him. Maybe this is your first time to Timberline. Maybe you've been many times, but the issue is not Timberline. The issue is Jesus. If today you would like to say, yes, I want to know Christ. I make a choice to invite him to come into my life. And I'm doing it right now. If that's where you're at, can I ask you, please, wherever you are, just to slip up your hand. Would you do it right away? Thank you very much. That's wonderful. You can put your hands down. Now, those of you that have slipped up your hands just now, two things. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. And secondly, I want to encourage you at the end of our service to just uh, come down the front here we, we've got a booklet we'd like to give you that will help explain what you've just done today our prayer team are here as well they'd love to to pray with you but please take time this is so important to do that so lord we pray first of all for those who are saying yes to friendship with you would you reveal yourself to them today and right where you're seated folks those of you that just raised your hand because you're saying I want to become a Christian. Why don't you pray something like this? You can use your own words if you like. Jesus, I want to know you. Step into my life. Take charge. Teach me how to live. Forgive my sin. I turn to you. Be my Lord. Be my friend now, Jesus, and forever. We pray for those that have just prayed that prayer, Lord, that you will so reveal yourself to them. And we pray for those who've indicated that there are marriages, that there are friendships, workplace situations where there is threat and tension and fragmentation. And we ask you to go into every one of those situations 
And we pray that you will do what only you can do, Lord. And that by your grace, you'll enable us to do what only we can do. That we might know the beauty of togetherness. We agree together in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Wonderful. And uh, Jerry's in concert tonight right here in the South Auditorium at 6 p.m. If you want to come along, that will be a great uh, evening. And he has CDs as well out there in the, in the mall. Would you stand with me if you're able, please? Let's stand to pray. Thank you for the joy, Lord, that we experience in Jesus today. And we pray that you'll take us now into another new week. Walk with us as our friend, as our saviour, and show us, Lord, what it really looks like to be a great friend. We agree together in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Before you go, one quick thing. This will be the last time that I see you before Christmas. So I'm going to be the very first to say a Merry Christmas. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Our prayer team are here. If we can pray with you, we would love to. God bless.